Hippocrates said that all disease begins and ends in the gut. On today's Sheer Madness podcast, we are going to be talking all things gut health. And for those of you who've been following me on social media and my own story, you know I am an advocate for a healthy gut microbiome because when the gut is off, everything else is off. So today we're going to be diving into the functional medicine approach to healing the gut, some common GI dysfunctions that we can see, and what foods we can eat to promote overall gut health. So thank you guys for listening today and let's dive in. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. But if you're ready to level up your life and get results that truly matter in your health, business, mindset, and relationships, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Sheer Madness, where we have unscripted, real conversations with the world's top athletes, entrepreneurs, and coaches. Discover real-world and tactical advice from the best in the business. Let's go. So my journey in the nutrition, the health, and the fitness world, it started during my college years. I was at Baylor studying nutrition and dietetics. I'd always been obsessed with nutrition growing up as an athlete. I was a gymnast and I was a dancer, and it was focused you know, primarily on like peak performance. But when I got into weightlifting in college, I started to really dive into the aesthetic side. You know, I started to get lean, and I was shredded, and I loved these six abs that were like popping out that I'd never seen before. And for me also weightlifting was this incredible outlet. It was a way for me to release stress. And um, some of you may know, but I come from a lot of trauma in my family. I definitely have that like perfectionist type mindset, the overachiever. So when I get my mind set on something like I'm all in all the way, which is so great in many ways, but it kind of ended up being, you know, not so great in a lot of different aspects in my life. And fitness was one of them. So I got into fitness and even bodybuilding, you know, while I was in college. And it started out as a very healthy venture. You know, I wanted just to get in peak shape. I wanted to uh, create more confidence. For me, I'm introverted. So getting up on stage was something that was always incredibly scary. And as I got into competing, I started pushing my body further and further. And trust me, I was like shredded beyond belief. And if you guys followed me on social media, then I was known as Rachel Shears, six pack abs, how to keep year round shredded abs. And for anyone looking on the outside, you would be like, oh my gosh, this woman is like the peak epitome of health and fitness. But it was also during that time of my life that my health took a complete plummet. And it was about my third year into competing in the NPC that I started to develop a lot of gut issues. Along with that, I had hormonal issues and thyroid issues. So when you compete and you're at a low body fat percentage, you tend to lose your menstrual cycle. So I no longer had a menstrual cycle. Um, My thyroid had plummeted. So I was hypothyroid, which is a way for your body to try to conserve energy when it's just not getting enough. And then I had all of these gut issues kind of at the time, felt like it came out of nowhere. Um, I started to develop chronic bloating, distension. I could no longer use the restroom at all. So I was honestly very constipated. 
And that is terrible for your health because your body is holding on to so many toxins. And, you know, my thought process at the time was, why is this happening? You know, I am incredibly fit, I'm healthy, I eat good nutrition, yet I'm dealing with all of these health issues. And that was kind of the entry to Western medicine for me. So I started to go to a bunch of different doctors, as most of us do um, when we start to develop health issues. I went to endocrinologist, gastroenterologist. Um, with the gastros, they did everything between uh, CT scans, MRI, colonoscopy, endoscopy, and everything came back normal. So they slapped the label on me that said, you have irritable bowel syndrome, you know, here, take some laxatives and good luck. So obviously that didn't really help um, by any means. And it was just addressing the symptoms, the fact that I couldn't use the restroom. And I was miserable at this point. Um, I remember even lying on the kitchen floor one night and just crying because every time I ate, I was in this massive pain. And it looked like I was like six months pregnant. So if you ever see those photos that I post on Instagram of like the bloated bellies, like mine was like the worst. And the funniest part was I was so lean and I had these abs, but like had this bloated belly. And it wasn't even so much the aesthetic part of it, but I was in massive pain. I couldn't use the restroom. You can only imagine when your hormones and your thyroid are off, how that affects your mental health as well too. So I had brain fog, anxiety, depression. So, you know, my whole health was like just going to shit, honestly. And it was kind of at that point in my life where, you know, I started to think about health and wellness in a different way. So I had continued to go to a couple different doctors and I eventually ended up at a colorectal surgeon's office who actually wanted to cut out my entire large intestine. So because my gut was so off and I could no longer really use the restroom on my own without doing suppositories, laxatives, the solution was, hey, we're going to cut out your entire large intestine. And what they do is they connect the small intestine to the rectum. And over time, um, that small intestine begins to also act like the large intestine. So kind of like by shortening that uh, tube, if you can think of it, you know, you can get rid of some of the constipation. And this was like the scariest thing to ever be told because, you know, I didn't have Crohn's. I didn't have ulcerative colitis. My, my gut was otherwise healthy in terms of like a diseased state, but it was definitely having a lot of dis-ease. So imbalance going on there. And I was honestly so miserable at that point in my life and just desperate to feel better. I had highly considered it. And I even remember sitting in that colorectal surgeon's office, like ready to schedule that consult because I was just in such massive pain and I, I wanted to get on with my life. But, you know, even though how off my gut was, something told me that was not the route to go. So I continued to search for answers and I eventually ended up at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, where they did some further testing, some genetic testing and kind of came back with the same thing. They couldn't really find anything wrong with me. They said, hey, you have low thyroid, your hormones are off, um, but there's nothing really you know, structurally wrong with your gut. So... 
I really didn't get the answers there either with what was off. But what I did get is they confirmed that if I would have removed my entire large intestine, that would have been the worst things ever for your health. I don't know about you guys, but you know, your large intestine is kind of important. Um, it does things between absorb vitamins and minerals from your food. It helps with the water and hydration. So, I mean, you kind of need it. <laughs> so removing it was definitely not the answer. So now I'm kind of at this point of what do I do now? Like nobody can help me is what it felt like. And this is when I really had to take control of my own health. I had been searching and searching and relying all of my own healing on these doctors who really weren't helping me or, you know, really trying to figure out the root of the issue as to what was going on. So that became the entry point for me to start to learn everything about our gut microbiome and gut health. So I would spend hours online studying about the microbiome, about leaky gut, about hormones. And since I had my background in nutrition and dietetics, I actually decided to get certified in functional medicine. And using functional medicine from what I learned and through the courses, I was able to identify some things that were really, really off with my gut. And I did some functional medicine testing, which is very different than traditional Western medicine testing. So functional medicine testing is going to look at things like the gut microbiome and all of the bacteria in your gut. So probiotics that you could be low in. It's going to look at pathogenic bacteria. So yeast, parasites, fungi. It's going to look at your digestive enzymes. So stomach acid, pancreatic enzymes. It's going to look for things like, do you have a leaky gut? Is there a lot of inflammation in the gut? It's going to look at food triggers, food sensitivities. It's going to look at toxins like mold, heavy metals, herbicides, pesticides, which are huge gut disruptors as well as neuroendocrine disruptors. It's going to look at your body's stress response. So the communication between your hypothalamus, your pituitary and your adrenals. And if you're producing too much cortisol, uh, that stress hormone, it can actually break down your muscle tissue, but also your gut. Um, And then if you have too low of cortisol, we're going to experience a lot of chronic fatigue, low energy. So functional medicine testing, it is incredibly different than the Western medicine approach. So when I did a lot of the testing on myself, what I found out was I had massive bacteria overgrowth in my gut. So I had a dysbiotic gut, which basically means an imbalance of good and bad bacteria. I also had a leaky gut, and we'll talk a little bit about what that means here in a little bit. And because of my cortisol, my stress hormones being so high, I was in a catabolic state. So if you can think of it like this, when you're in this chronically high stress state, and stress can mean many different things. It can be emotional stress, so stress that comes from trauma, uh, that comes from just a daily stressful life. It can come from physical stress. So hey, mean bodybuilding, pushing my body to the extremes, and probably training a bit too much with not 
enough recovery. Um, it can also be dietary stress. So dietary stress could be if you have a high sugar diet, you're eating a lot of inflammatory foods, if you have blood sugar dysregulation. And then there can be other stressors. So um, these could be environmental toxins and things that we're exposed to like viruses. So all of these are stressors and we kind of have this stress threshold in the body. And when stress becomes too much, we actually become catabolic. So we start to break things down. First, muscle tissue definitely takes a hit. Our body starts to burn those amino acids for fuel, but our gut lining probably takes the biggest hit. And if you can think about it, our gut lining is only one cell layer thick. So when we're in this stressed, fight or flight, catabolic state, what's happening is our body's actually pulling glutamine out of that gut lining. And if you follow me on social media, you know I talk about glutamine all the time and how it's very healing for the gut lining if you have leaky gut. But how leaky gut comes about is we're pulling that glutamine out of the gut and we have these junctions that line the gut. They're called tight junctions that become weakened. And this is when we start to get um, intestinal permeability or leaky gut where we're getting bacteria, pathogens, toxins, food that are seeping through that gut lining and triggering an immune and an inflammatory response. Now, there's different degrees of leaky gut, but this is usually the first thing that we see start to happen. There's some kind of a stressor, whether that be emotional, physical, dietary, environmental, um, and our stress hormones are constantly high. We're pulling all this glutamine out of the gut, our gut lining is breaking down. And since our gut is interconnected with all of these other systems, our neuroendocrine system, um, our hormones, our thyroid, even our brain through our gut-brain connection, we start to develop other, you know, organs that malfunction and other symptoms that come about. Your thyroid is off, your hormones are off. So kind of going back to what I said at the beginning of the podcast is all health begins and ends in the gut. And all disease begins and ends in the gut, like what Hippocrates said. So the traditional approach to irritable bowel syndrome or IBS, which in my opinion is a trash can diagnosis, is to treat the symptoms. They say, hey, we know you have an irritable bowel. Well, yeah, that's why I'm here. So let's focus on the symptoms. Maybe take a probiotic, take some more fiber. You know, maybe we're going to do some other things like give you some prescription medications, antidepressants, but it's really focused on symptomatic relief, especially if once they've rolled out things like Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, um, but you're just putting a Band-Aid over the issue. Now, the functional medicine approach to irritable bowel syndrome is looking at the root issue. Why did this happen in the first place? And what do we need to do to restore function? And it also looks at the body as an interconnected system, how the gut influences our mind and our hormones and our thyroid and how our body's stress response influences all of those other systems as well. 
So with the testing that we do at Rachel Shear Nutrition, we are identifying these things. We are identifying specifically what is off with your gut microbiome, with bacteria, if there's leaky gut, if there's a dysbiotic environment, or if we're low in any kind of pancreatic enzymes or stomach acid. We're looking at what's going on with your thyroid, your hormones, your body's stress response. We're looking at other triggers. So we're looking at deficiencies you could have. We're looking at your blood sugar, inflammation, food sensitivities. And this is the type of testing you can't go get done at your traditional Western medicine doctor. Honestly, most of them don't understand the concept of functional medicine. Um, They weren't trained in it and they also weren't trained in nutrition. Most physicians don't even take a nutrition class. And if you're someone who's dealing with gut issues, what is one of the number one triggers? It's food. So of course we need to look at things like your nutrition. We need to look at your stress. And if your doctor is not asking you about, you know, your stress levels, your nutrition, um, and they're just treating the symptoms, it's really an injustice to you in your health with trying to get proper healing. So this is why it's so important to be your own advocate for your health. Coaches are great. There's incredibly amazing doctors out there, but you have to be your own advocate for your health with trying to find the right healing, the right coach who understands the functional medicine approach and wants to help you heal holistically. So that could be the mental side as well as the physical side, but also identify why this came about in the first place. So you know, looking back at my story, you know, it does make sense now. I was under massive physical stress overtraining. I was in a caloric deficit, you know, not to mention just like the stress I was putting on myself to be perfect, to be shredded. Um, I can also look back at my diet then too. And although I thought it was healthy at the time, my diet had a lot of artificial sweeteners in it, which are big gut disruptors. So things like sucralose, um, any kind of sugar alcohols, honestly, even stevia, um, I was overusing that. And even though they're not calories, they still do feed bacteria in the gut. So they're still fermentable. Um, And then I also was eating a lot of uh, processed foods. So not like super unhealthy processed foods like most of us may think. They were things like protein powders, pre-workouts that were full of those artificial sweeteners, full of gums like xanthan gum, guar gum. And these gums are also these prebiotics. So they're food sources for bacteria. So you kind of combine all of this together in a makes sense. Okay, we're under massive, massive stress. That gut lining's taking a hit. We're pulling glutamine out of the gut. And then we're adding in a lot of these uh, not so healthy foods, these gut triggers um, that are leading to a leaky gut and gut dysbiosis to come about. So an imbalance of bacteria in the gut microbiome. And if you guys get anything out of today's podcast, you know, take this one thing, be the advocate for your own health. Honestly, no one is going to do the work for you and you have to be the one to look for answers. And sometimes it is, you know, going and seeing a Western medicine doctor. Sometimes it's working with a nutritionist. Sometimes it's going to counseling, but be the advocate for your own health. So I want to talk about now the three stages of 
gut dysfunction. Um, and as we step forward in these stages, we start to develop more and more gut imbalances. So stage one is the microbiome balance is disrupted. So this is where we start to see things like SIBO, small intestinal bacteria overgrowth. Um, and if you don't know what SIBO is, basically we have most of our bacteria that reside in our colon. And sometimes if motility is disrupted or there's stress or some of the other things that I mentioned earlier is big stressors it can cause bacteria to kind of go upstream into the small intestine. And when that happens, we get a lot of fermentation, gas production, and this can lead to constipation or diarrhea for some people. So stage one, microbiome balance disrupted. So an imbalance of good and bad bacteria in the gut or just too much bacteria in general. Sometimes we'll see hand in hand with this, we'll see a leaky gut. Uh, so leaky gut is caused by excessive intestinal permeability. This can be caused from stress that we mentioned. It can be caused from alcohol, antibiotic use, um, NSAIDs, birth control pills, food allergies or food sensitivities, or even other intestinal infections such as bacteria, yeast, or parasites. So usually when we see gut dysbiosis um, or SIBO, we also see leaky gut and even sometimes inflammation. And why this can be problematic is because if leaky gut is left untreated, uh, we start to get a big immune upregulation in the gut. And this is actually one of the first stages of an autoimmune condition. So we have so much immune upregulation in the gut where most of our immune system resides that that can even trigger the body to start to attack itself. So these can lead to things like arthritis, it can lead to Hashimoto's or other thyroid type autoimmune conditions. We see the skin is definitely affected and this can cause things like psoriasis as well too. So leaky gut is one of the first stages of chronic issues and gut issues that we see hand in hand with these other microbiome imbalances such as dysbiosis or SIBO. So that's stage one. Stage two is where we start to see some GI organ dysfunction. So sometimes when I do gut microbiome testing on people, I will see low pancreatic enzymes, so digestive enzymes that are needed to break down carbohydrates, fats, and protein. We'll see low stomach acid as well too. So we need that stomach acid um, that starts the whole digestive process that is actually really needed for breaking down uh, protein specifically. So we start to see these low digestive enzymes, um, low bile flow as well too. And this is stage two where we know there is GI organ dysfunction going on, usually in combination with leaky gut and bacteria dysbiosis. Now, stage three is when we start to see things like gut pathogens come about. So pathogens can be things like candida or yeast overgrowth in the gut. It can be things like parasites, which we actually have quite a bit of people come back with parasites um, at my practice. Or it can be just other type of bad bacteria. So these can be things like H. pylori, which is an infection in the upper part of the GI tract. Um, it can be E. coli. So now we start to develop gut pathogens. And this is where things can really, really start to go downhill for a lot of people if we don't correct it um, pretty soon with what's going on here. 
Now, with any of these stages, stage one, stage two, stage three, we'll also see other body systems become affected. So when the gut is off, we'll see people develop a lot of neurological issues. So there's a correlation between a leaky gut and actually a leaky brain because our gut and our brain are connected through the vagus nerve. If you listen to the podcast I did, uh, I think about a year ago with Dr. Kenneth Brown, um, he talks a lot about that with the leaky gut, the leaky brain, um, and these can lead to symptoms of anxiety, depression, brain fog is probably one of the number one symptoms that we see with a leaky gut or gut dysbiosis. We start to see hormonal imbalances. We can see with women and men, estrogen dominance. Um, So there's actually a type of bacteria, an anaerobic bacteria that resides in the gut. And if that's too high, it's actually going to cause estrogen to be reabsorbed back into the body. So now you have high estrogen, that estrogen can lead to PMS symptoms. Um, in women, it can lead to weight gain. Men can develop you know, some of those man boobs as well too, which nobody wants any man boobs. <laughs> so that can kind of lead to some of the hormonal imbalances as well. And then we'll see the thyroid and the gut and the thyroid are very interconnected as well too. Um, you know, as I talked about the leaky gut and how that can trigger an autoimmune condition. And if that happens, we start to get um, low thyroid because these thyroid antibodies are attacking the thyroid. So these are some different ways of actually how the gut can lead to other body systems to become unbalanced. And if our gut is really off um, and most of our immune system resides in our gut, about 70%, this can also lead for toxins to build up in the body. So um, it makes sense that most of our immune system is in the gut because every time we eat, we're literally taking things from the outside world that have bacteria and other microbes and we're bringing it into our body. So it makes sense. Our immune system better be at the front line ready to fight off anything. But when our gut is leaky or dysbiotic, we don't get that same immune response. And we can start to develop things like these toxins and um, even gut pathogens that start to come about as well too. So it's incredibly important to look at what's going on with the gut, even if you're someone who doesn't even have gut symptoms. If you're someone who has hormonal issues, thyroid issues, we are always, always going back to look at the gut. So let's talk about the seven steps to a healthy gut. First step, diet and lifestyle. We talked a lot about stress. If you're someone who has a very stressful life or is dealing with a lot of trauma that's maybe been unresolved, you know, that's going to be a very important part of healing our gut microbiome because if we're constantly under these stressors, our gut lining is going to be consistently broken down. And if you can think about it, when we're in this state of fight or flight, so they always give the analogy, like if you're running from a tiger, um, your digestive system is not working. It literally shuts down and that can cause us to expel food or even hold on to it, leading to constipation. So addressing lifestyle is a very important factor and then also the diet. So if you're eating a lot of processed foods, inflammatory foods, artificial sweeteners and other gut disruptors, it's going to lead to gut issues. So diet and lifestyle is number one. Two, when we do testing, we want to support 
any kind of detox related issues or any deficiencies we have. So if you're deficient in omega-3 fatty acids, our body's main anti-inflammatory fat, if you're deficient in that glutamine, if you're deficient in zinc, vitamin D, all of these can negatively affect that gut lining because they're needed to keep the gut low in inflammation, the immune system where we want it, and it nice and strong and healthy. So we want to make sure we don't have any of these deficiencies. And if we have any detox issues, so uh, we do a genetic test. It's called MTHFR, otherwise known as the, the mother effer gene. I won't say, say the actual word on my podcast, but we call it that um, just because of the way it looks. But when you have this genetic defect, you don't methylate very well. And methylate is a form of detoxification that our body does. And if you're someone who has this genetic defect, you're more prone to gut issues, gut pathogens. You're more prone to even neurological issues. So it's a quick fix. If we know that you have it, we can give you some methylation support. But those are the second two things we want to address. Supplement support for deficiencies, address any detox-related issues. And then we want to pull out foods that are negatively affecting the gut. Maybe that aren't like what we talked about before with just like gut disruptors, but like food intolerances. So these could be like if you have a sensitivity to or gluten or dairy, we'd want to pull those out of the diet too to allow that gut to heal and not constantly have an immune upregulation going on. So those are the first three things, diet and lifestyle, supplement support for deficiencies, addressing detox issues, and eliminating any kind of food sensitivities. So with my coaching, we go through this entire process with you. Um, We look in depth at the mindset side, the stress, the trauma, your nutrition. We create you a custom nutrition plan, maybe do an elimination diet. We look at the genetic test for the detox issues. Uh, We do supplement support if you have any deficiencies from the testing. And then we pull out any foods that come back as a food sensitivity for you. So at this point, usually a lot of people feel a lot, a lot better. The next part is actually addressing what is going on in the gut. So if we have any leaky gut, low digestive enzymes, if we have any kind of SIBO or dysbiosis, uh, we want to address those or even gut pathogens. So sometimes we'll do some antimicrobial protocols to eradicate some of the bacteria or the gut pathogens. Sometimes we'll add in pancreatic enzymes, HCL for stomach acid support, So now we're working on addressing the issue with the gut. Um, If you have leaky gut, we may do a leaky gut protocol, add in things like glutamine, aloe vera, licorice root. So now we're specifically addressing the gut once we've addressed a lot of the other triggers first. After that, after we've done a protocol to address these things that are off in the gut, we want to then focus on prevention. So step five is prevention and motility support. One of the big reasons why people develop things like small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, it can be because they have low motility or transport in the gut. So motility is basically uh, the movement of food, bacteria throughout the gut. And when we're under that stress or we have a poor diet, it can lead to low motility. 
And this can also be brought about by something I call a low vagal tone. So you may have heard me mention a little bit earlier about uh, the vagus nerve, which is the gut and the brain connection. And if we have low vagal tone from trauma or stress, this actually leads to low motility. Sometimes the thyroid's to blame for low motility. If we have hypothyroid, that can lead to our body slowing down. It's transitive food leading to bacteria overgrowth. So We want to prevent it, address the triggers, and address the motility issues if those are present. Um, After we've done a lot of this, again, most people are feeling even better than they did at those first steps that we did. And now we can actually start to reintroduce some foods that we may have pulled out. So if we've done any kind of a gut healing protocol, like a low FODMAP diet, a specific carbohydrate diet, we may try to reintroduce some of these foods. And sometimes at the beginning stages of healing your gut, you're not going to tolerate a lot of those foods. You won't tolerate maybe things like garlic or onion or broccoli broccoli, which are really healthy foods, but your gut is so off um, or unbalanced that you can't tolerate them without, you know, the bloating, the distension, the gas production. So now that we've actually done some healing, we've addressed a lot of these triggers, we can now start to reintroduce some of these healthy foods back into your diet. And the goal is to be able to tolerate more of these foods that you once didn't tolerate before. So when I had all my gut issues, I could not tolerate avocado. I could not tolerate broccoli, onion. I would literally blow up like a balloon. And now like they're in my diet every single day. I I love avocado. I eat like probably at least one every single day. So Elimination diets are great, but they should never be long-term because over time, we miss out a lot of nutrition, a lot of fiber as well too. And this step is very important for actually increasing the diversity in the gut, which is usually a bit low after we've done a lot of these gut healing protocols. So now we want to also re-inoculate the gut with good bacteria, add some more foods back into the diet that maybe we had pulled out, add in some fiber. And this is going to be very preventative of this thing ever happening again in the future. The last part of this is now retesting to looking at if we've eliminated any of the gut pathogens, what's going on with any of the digestive enzymes, looking at the food intolerances, the leaky gut. We want to make sure we fix the issue. So then that way we can focus on long-term maintenance. And one other thing I want to mention here is a healing diet is very, very different than a maintenance diet. And a lot of you may start one of these diets, FODMAP diets, specific carbohydrate diets, pulling up food sensitivities and be like, oh my gosh, this is really restrictive. But it's not meant to be long-term. It's meant to be short-term so we can address the root of the issue, give you some symptomatic relief. So then you can tolerate more of these foods and we can add them back in and work on your gut diversity. So we should never stay long-term on any of these types of healing diets. They're meant to be short-term, just specifically to help with healing the gut. 
I know this sounds like a lot, and honestly, that's because it is. And I've dedicated my life to helping people with this entire process that we do at Rachel Shear Nutrition. So if you're someone who's interested in working with us and doing the extensive testing and the coaching, you can definitely book a free 15-minute call with us or check out our website at rachelshear.com. But I want to talk about you know what are some things we can do right now to have a healthy gut. What are the foods we can focus on? We talked a lot about the stress, but let's focus in on the food right now. So the first most important thing we can do for our gut is eating whole food. So what does that even mean, whole food? It means unprocessed, unrefined, local and organic if possible. Uh, Proteins should be grass-fed and finished, wild-caught fish, uh, pasture-raised. So food in its original and most natural state. Um, So this is incredibly important because a lot of foods that are ridden and herbicides and pesticides that they're processed, adding those artificial sweeteners, gums, they're not good for the gut. So we want to eat real whole food first and foremost. The second thing we can do is focus on adding some good prebiotics to the gut. So you may have heard of a probiotic. So a probiotic is good bacteria. A prebiotic is a food source for bacteria. So it feeds good bacteria in the gut. So prebiotics can come from the foods that we eat. Oftentimes they're fibers and herbs. So great sources of prebiotics are going to be artichokes, onion, underripe bananas because they have a lot of resistant starch, jicama, lentils, almonds, asparagus, garlic, apples, leeks, sprouted oats, and flax seeds. So these are great prebiotic fibers. So they feed bacteria in the gut. So they help increase that gut diversity. Now, a caveat, if you're someone who has bacteria overgrowth or a dysbiotic gut already, you may not be able to tolerate a lot of these prebiotic fibers. So it may not be good for you right now to add these types of foods back into your diet. Now, if your gut's in a relatively good place, you don't have any kind of SIBO or dysbiosis going on, these are great foods to add in. So I just wanted to add in that little caveat because if you add in some of these foods and you get a lot more bloating, distensions, and GI issues, that is a sign that your gut microbiome is off. And then we probably should do some testing. So prebiotics are great. We can also do some herbal prebiotics. So this can be used as part of a multi-combination supplement or alone. They can be a powder, a capsule, a tincture, and we can use them to help increase the frequency of bowel movements and help reduce inflammation in the gut. So aloe vera is one that I love to use quite a bit. So just like aloe vera works for our skin to reduce inflammation, um, it also works to reduce inflammation in the gut, but it's also a prebiotic. So it's feeding good bacteria in the gut. It also has some great antimicrobial properties. So it helps kill bad bacteria in the gut. I use a supplement all the time called uh, Glutagenics at my practice, and it's a combination between glutamine, aloe vera, and licorice root. So that leads me to the next herbal 
prebiotic, that's licorice root. So licorice is great because it also helps decrease inflammation in the gut. And if you're someone who has a leaky gut, it's really good for repairing those junctions that have become weakened. So licorice root's another great one. Another one is slippery elm. So slippery elm is great for uh, creating more mucus in the gut. So we'll use it for treating things like heartburn, GERD, or ulcers in the gut as well too. And then the last one is chicory. Uh, So chicory root actually comes from uh, the dandelion plant and it's been used for more than 100 years or a substitute for coffee. So if you've ever had chicory tea, it tastes quite a bit like coffee, Um, but it's really high in a compound called inulin, which is a type of fiber that feeds bacteria in the gut. So my recommendation would be starting with something like aloe vera, licorice root, glutamine always, of course, it's not a prebiotic, but... Glutamine is always great for the gut as well, too. So those are some different prebiotics you can use. Now, the next thing we want to talk about is those probiotics. So probiotics are bacteria that we're adding now into the gut. And we can get these from foods, but also through supplements. So fermented foods are a great source of these probiotics. So these could be things such as kimchi, sauerkraut, kefir, natto, misa, fermented pickles, kombucha, although I recommend kind of picking the low sugar type of kombucha because I've seen a lot of them that, yes, there's bacteria in them that may be good for the gut, but it's also loaded in a ton of sugar, which is not good for you. And the thing with these probiotics is start slow. Sometimes when you start a probiotic, you may notice some increase in symptoms. So starting with like one to two tablespoons per day is a great place and going up from there. We don't need to overdo the fermented foods. Um, So a little bit can go a long way. The next thing is the probiotic supplements. So with my practice, we always customize these. So we look at your microbiome test and see specifically what type of bacteria you may be low in, if those are strains of bifidobacterium or lactobacillus, and specifically what bacteria does your gut need. Other than that, you know, getting on a good probiotic, just kind of doing a little bit of research may be great. Um, Metagenics, we use them quite a bit. They have some great probiotics. I always recommend recommend looking for a multi-strain, great probiotics of the bifidobacterium family, lactobacillus. They have a lot of studies done on them. So that would be a great place to start. But again, no need to overdo the probiotics. Start small and see what kind of relief you can get. And if symptoms increase, back off and maybe consider some testing to see what's going on with your gut. So we got the prebiotics, we got the probiotics. Next thing I want to talk about is polyphenols. So polyphenols are a group of chemicals that naturally occur in plants. So they're kind of what give plants its bright colors. And there's more than 500 unique polyphenols collectively, but we also call these phytochemicals. So phyto coming from plant and their chemicals, Um, but they're good for the gut microbiome. So they're great for increasing diversity, um, also fighting off bad bacteria in the gut, reducing inflammation. So some of the top foods high in polyphenols. So fruits, these are things like blackberries, cherries, raspberries, uh, vegetables. These could be things like purple carrots, purple sweet potato, uh, red cabbage, 
Kalamata olives, those are my favorite. Red onions, grains could be red rice, black rice, sprouted oats, nuts and seeds. These could be hazelnuts, pecans, chestnuts, flax seeds. Spices can be cloves, cinnamon, oregano. Oregano is also a great antimicrobial, so it kills bad bacteria in the gut. And then other things like cocoa. So cocoa's great. Um, green tea, coffee, heck yes, coffee drinkers, minus all the other sweeteners and stuff in it. And wine, not because of the alcohol, but mainly because of um, a compound called resveratrol that's found in red wine. Now, of course, overdoing the alcohol can not be good for the gut. But there's a ton of studies out there about how polyphenols are incredible for the gut and the gut microbiome. On that podcast that I did with Dr. Kenneth Brown, he talks about one of the supplements that he created called Autrantil, which is actually a polyphenol blend. And it's used to combat SIBO or constipation-predominant SIBO using polyphenols in the gut. So those are some great foods that you can add in, even if you're someone who has any kind of gut dysbiosis or SIBO, these are usually very well tolerated for a lot of people. The last gut healthy food are something called a short chain fatty acid. And these are actually metabolites that are produced from bacteria in the gut when they ferment on fiber that we eat in our diet. So a diet rich in fiber will feed the gut bacteria and help them produce more of these short chain fatty acids. But we can also get some of these short chain fatty acids by adding some foods such as ghee. And why are short chain fatty acids so good for the gut? Well, they're a preferred fuel source for the cells lining the large intestine. They promote the growth of new cells and repair the ones that have been damaged. They have a ton of anti-inflammatory effects, so reducing inflammation. They improve and they correct, so they heal and seal intestinal permeability by stimulating a mucus production in the gut. And there's also been evidence that suggests that they can also improve whole body glucose tolerance, such as insulin sensitivity, and also help promote satiety, so that feeling of fullness. Um, So you can take butyrate salts through a supplement. Um, About 300 milligrams is pretty safe and effective for improving digestive function and healing leaky gut. But you can also get uh, 300 milligrams of that butyrate just by doing two teaspoons of ghee or clarified grass-fed butter every single day as well too. Okay, so let's rewind a little bit. So our gut healing diet we got so far, it's minimal ingredients, unprocessed, it's organic, non-GMO. We have lots of these prebiotics, so fibers and herbs, maybe some good probiotics or fermented foods in there. Um, We also want to try to limit carbohydrates, avoid some of those added sugars, whether they're real or artificial. And we want to add in some good healthy fats. So those omega-3s, Some of those animal fats like the ghee, um, those are also really healing for the gut as well too. Another practice that has been shown to be pretty beneficial for the gut is intermittent fasting. And this is not a specific food that we're focusing on, but actually more of, you know, the timing of food and when we're eating it. So intermittent fasting is normally about a 16-hour fast. A normal fast is about a 12-hour fast. But when we extend 
spend that fast, we give the gut a chance to rest and not constantly be digesting. And we have these cleaning waves. It's called our body's migrating motor complex or MMC. And these are cleaning waves that activate during these fasting periods that actually sweep toxins, debris, and bacteria to the lower part of the GI tract. So if you're someone who has motility issues or any kind of SIBO or bacteria overgrowth, um, intermittent fasting can be incredibly helpful for activating that migrating motor complex. So here's a little takeaway from today's podcast. Leaky gut, a bad gut flora, they're common. They are so common because of today's lifestyle, you know, with the amount of stress that we're under, lack of sleep, poor diet, the standard American diet full of processed foods, artificial foods, sugar. So it's very likely that you have a gut microbiome imbalance, a poor gut flora because of some of these factors, even if you don't have gut symptoms. And there are steps that we can take to help heal the gut um, with some of the foods that I talked about here today. Prebiotics, probiotics, polyphenols, um, butyrates from short-chain fatty acids, adding in some good fibers to the gut. So all of these things can be really beneficial to kind of start to reverse some of the damage that may have been done to the gut. But if you're someone who's feeling maybe stuck, who's been dealing with gut issues for a long time, I really, really encourage you to look into working with a functional medicine coach or nutritionist who can do the proper lab testing, who can try to identify exactly what's off and why and address the root of the issue. Because when our gut is off, it literally affects everything. And you can take it from me, from someone who's dealt with gut issues, who's like completely lost my health to the point that I almost had my entire large intestine removed. Like your gut is so important. And if our gut's off, you know, it is really hard to have the quality of life that we want for ourselves. So if you're someone who is interested in learning more about what we do at Rachel Shear Nutrition and our functional medicine nutrition coaching, you can uh, go on our website, book a free 15-minute call, fill out the application that we have on there. We don't work with everybody. We want this to be a good fit with each other. So there's going to be a little bit of an interview process, but we would love to get to know you, your story, um, what you're needing help with, what your goals are, and see if it's a right fit. So definitely check that out. And if you guys got a lot out of today's podcast with talking about the functional medicine approach to healing the gut, some of these good gut healthy foods, share this podcast with a friend, tag us on Instagram, tag at Rachel Shear Nutrition, at Rachel Shear. I will share it so you'll end up on my story, but I always love hearing your guys' feedback as well too. So never hesitate to shoot me a DM or a message. And I hope you guys have an incredible day. This has been Sheer Madness.